thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, everyone. What's up? It's me, Nicholas, and you're listening to Elitist Anthropology. I hope that you're having a great summer so far and that you've been enjoying the season as we kind of get close to the end. Today, we're here with someone that I've known for a really, really long time. She's like the best of the best, the coolest of the cool. Like She's got like, you know, when you think about all the best things in life, you think of her. Uh, everyone say hello to Jiho. Hi. Hi. Welcome so to sweet. the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so moved. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, so yeah, Jiho and I went to school together back in New York. Now she's uh, a big dog in the film world and she lives in LA. Um, that's what I know about her, but why don't you introduce yourself? Um, thank you for the very sweet intro. Uh, my name is Jiho. Uh, I'm I rep 718 from Queens. <laughs> I love watching movies, reading, uh-huh. uh, making floral arrangements. Ooh. And Do you have a favorite flower? I love sunflowers, which is kind of classic, but mm-hmm. I've been really loving like the really deep purple slash black dahlias. Mm. Ooh. Uh, they kind of look that's just so like LA coated. Black oil spills in a blue ca- in a bouquet. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I've been really liking those. Okay. But yeah, everything else is just work related. Uh, I left finance, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, to pursue my dreams in mm-hmm. in Tinseltown of yeah. working in film. And mm-hmm. yeah, then you honestly probably know everything else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how are you doing today? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm a little stressed. Uh, mm-hmm. I have some work travel coming up so mm-hmm. i feel a little overwhelmed right now yeah but happy to see you um, and i don't know every time i see friends i feel rejuvenated yeah so feeling good have you seen that meme where it's like m- like me by myself and they're like it's like the the black haze over his face the world is ending and then like spends five minutes with a friend and he's like, <laughs> yeah. maybe everything's fine like maybe, well, maybe everything's okay <laughs> I always tell Nick, um, my partner, uh, that anytime I like hang out with a group of girls, all the voices stop. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll come back, <laughs> and suddenly mm-hmm. I'm 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like that um that scene in Euphoria with Barbie Ferreira where she's like chilling on the bed, and then they all like all the voices start talking to her. Right. Yeah. So that's me before hanging out with. Mm-hmm girls which is yeah. gender neutral by the way like mm-hmm. you're one of the girls oh yes Slay. Uh, everyone can be one of the girls <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful but yeah i'm totally barbie ferrera coded when she's having a breakdown <laughs> but then she hangs mm-hmm. out with maddie and cassie kind of and yeah then she's fine cassie real but maddie realer maddie's realer i love i this is a, a uh, an aside, but you know I'm really a Sam. I'm a Sam Levinson truther. But that I know. Yeah, but I love I love Maddie. The way that that character is written in, in this season two, I think is just like pure as gold. I don't know. What do you like about her development? Because like you can tell mm-hmm. that Sam focused on, oh, yeah, on giving her, yeah. like Alexa Demi yeah. a bigger part. I think it's my it is my uh, theory. That probably with whatever happened between Hunter and Jacob and and whatever and and those years that made them sort of abandon that storyline of them being together. Okay. Probably is what made the way for okay, gotcha. um 
just for the, for that to be the love triangle, like for it to be Jacob Elordi, Alexa mm-hmm. Demi, and um, and Sydney Sweeney, and then because of that, if like okay, well if Cassie's gonna be like you know nuts and unlikable, whatever, then Alexa Demi has to be, you know the be- the better angel of sorts. Um, but I think just the way the character is written from the first season, which she bought me like all of like the A24 like box set of screenplays for um, for Euphoria. You know, to this day, that's like my most viewed YouTube video. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I was like I did like an hour long analysis and was like. And did you use did you kind of go off the screen? Yeah, books? well, because I read so like I read the screenplays uh-huh. and then I watched it and then but inside the screenplays, there's like it's kind of giving you like a like the old fashioned like Blu-ray DVD set director's commentary. There was interviews with Sam, oh, interviews with sick. the actors, interviews with Heidi um, mm-hmm. about how it all came together. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I felt like he really um, made that character seem so much more sensitive and open than mm-hmm. they were in the first season. And that's yeah. what made it really compelling. Yeah, she was like a mean girl caricature in mm-hmm. season one. But in season mm-hmm. two, it's like, oh, you're just picky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're just going through a lot, you right. know? Um, how did you get here today? Um, Nick dropped me off. Mm, um, nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it was either that or taking the bus. But mm-hmm. I would have had to transfer um twice mm. and transferring on on subways is okay but transferring mm-hmm. between buses it's just too much of a hassle can you so um as we mentioned you're from new york uh-huh you don't drive no and it's not even in the picture i did get my permit oh in what January. whoa <laughs> thank you okay <laughs> but i haven't right. driven hellcat is srt wait you, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you haven't driven since you got the permit yeah did you have to take a test to get the permit i did it was really hard uh mm-hmm. actually three people around me failed mm-hmm. taking the test it was I like felt- a paper test no, it was on the computer. It was very advanced. Oh, I okay. took a Scantron test in New York when I got my permit there. Mm-hmm. Again, didn't drive after getting it. Mm-hmm. It was more of a symbol. Like, okay. oh, I'm, I'm working on getting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's in development. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's a step. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took the test on a computer, and you can skip three questions, which I didn't know. <laughs> but it's a, it's much longer. I think it's mm-hmm. a thirty question test, mm-hmm. um, and I I genuinely thought it was going to fail. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Did and you get all the signs correct? I did get all the signs correct. Okay. It was more. You know what was tricky? It's all the lane markings that trip me mm. up. They're like. Oh, if there's a thick line next to a dotted line, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Can you pass it or not? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just go with the vibe in the moment. Exactly. Does <laughs> it, it look feels safe? right? Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, mm-hmm. that's not an answer. Wait, so it was just like a paper test. So when was the last time you like drove a vehicle? Um. Well, my mom tried to put me through boot camp right before I left New York. Mm-hmm. She took us to an abandoned like Burger King lot. <laughs> and near, near apartment mm-hmm. um and she was like drive like here's the controls it's very intuitive and <laughs> I, I wasn't so bad actually because yeah. i've driven like a golf course a, a golf cart yeah. um on the course for my dad mm-hmm. um but it's still very overwhelming i, I just don't like the idea mm-hmm. of everyone having to be on their best behavior yeah, well, I can tell you they're often not. <laughs> right. <laughs> they are often not. Yeah. They often do whatever the hell they want to do, and you just be there like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, so do you take um, transit, in, like the public transit in L.A. a lot? 
Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically chose, or sorry, uh, my partner and I specifically chose uh, our neighborhood, East mm-hmm. Hollywood, because mm-hmm. of its proximity to the red line, which mm-hmm. takes me uh, to my um, mm-hmm. place of, of work. Yeah. What do you think about the transit system here? Uh, it's... In comparison to New York, it's obviously a lot less built out. There's like yeah. significantly less infrastructure and just like funding devoted to it. Yeah. So what has happened is it almost becomes like a place where houseless people like are unbothered mm. um, by, you know, cops. And, you know, they're, they're sending yeah. more cops down there. Like you, you see them uh, – you know, you see more of them every day. Yeah. But, you know, it is kind of the one place they can catch a vibe. And so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. on the subways, mm-hmm. it, you know, a lot of them are just sleeping. And it's, yeah. I'd say the volume is, is higher than maybe the number of houseless people you'd see in the MTA. Just because the MTA yeah. is so much more, like, heavily trafficked by yeah. residents of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no one is really, like, watching down there. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's it's it can feel a little, I guess, like unsafe sometimes because Mm -hmm. you also like other than just more like innocent, like houseless people, you have Mm -hmm. like actually some like aggressive. Yeah. um, You know, people who are are struggling with something, obviously, and I I think they feel I I don't know. It's their way of kind of like asserting that this is their their home. And so you are kind of intruding on it mm-hmm. to some level, but I, mm-hmm. I get it just because above ground is, is so hostile and yeah, this is the one place no one's yeah. looking. <laughs> and also because there's so many, like there's so many less people on it. Exactly. Like it does yeah. create the space for that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, when I was living here, I never took the train because the train for whatever reason doesn't go to the mall. I lived right by the Grove. You would think that would be a perfect right. place for a train stop, the no. mall where everybody goes, but no. Uh, and so I would take the bus and I felt like with the bus, I thought the bus was cool. The only problem with it is that like, you really can't, you can't like, you can't go far on a bus. Like no. we lived in central, in central Hollywood near the Grove. Like we could go to downtown LA. That was like the furthest East you could go. You could go to Koreatown. You could get to other parts of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then like, if you were really about it, you could get to Santa Monica yeah, my mom and I took the bus to Santa Monica when we were apartment hunting. It <laughs> <laughs> was like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, but so it's like, long. that's right at the max. But like, it's like, you can't, like, you can't re- take the bus from like Hollywood to like Inglewood. No. You'll be on there for hours. Yeah, it's, it, it needs a lot more funding. And mm-hmm. honestly, a, a lot of people are also just averse to the idea of taking mm-hmm. public transit in LA. Yeah, You know, I, I tell people at, at work or people I've met for the first time and, and they look at me like I'm pioneering something new <laughs> like no <laughs> like actually a lot of like i think working class people take it take in the, the city bus, yeah. but if you have a car um it, mm. it makes a lot more sense just because like you said you can't get to many places yeah without without one yeah you need it but i i also feel that i was telling Raylan this for a, for a city that is so car dependent and car heavy i feel like the roads here are so narrow yeah. And they're so small and I feel like I'm so like tight. Like if I'm mm-hmm. in the middle lane and we're like driving down, it feels so tight that I'm like, I don't understand how is this like 
the capital of car culture, but then also the roads are not suitable. <laughs> for, for, for this is the only meaningful mode of transportation and also it's not set up properly. And like even like where we're staying to like get on the like. So I'm from Texas and in Texas, like when you get on the highway, you know you are about to get on the highway. Mm-hmm. There's signs, there's lights, like, and you can't turn onto the highway just, like, from, like, a little side street. Like, you have to get to an intersection, yeah. stop, turn on. But the highway entrance by where we're staying, it like, it's, like, nothing. Not it's, like, a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a stop sign on a side street that doesn't even have an entrance right. from it's the like other merge, side. And suddenly you're going 70 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I've missed it multiple times because I'm just, like, where, where is it? Yeah. It's a strange setup. No, it's, I, like, you know, I don't drive, obviously. So Nick has always said, um, you know, the city feels built by someone who didn't know how to drive and just, like, doesn't know yeah. what signals you need and, like, what markers you need to get yeah. around. And, does and like, yeah, even... That's how I would have designed it. <laughs> <laughs> even, like, so when I learned how to drive, I had to go to, um, I took a driving school at Sears. Oh, yeah, Sears was getting big money in a driving school. I mean, in, in Dallas, it was pretty... Co- well, maybe... I don't know if it was common, but my mom learned to drive at... Or no, did she learn how to drive? She learned how to drive in high school because okay. they used to have it, like, as a class. Uh-huh. So then when it was time for me to drive, I was like, Mom, you can just teach me. And she was like, no, like, you know, you need to go. You need to go to school. So in the mall, like, in like inside of the Sears, there's, like, a classroom. It's, like, a little office. And they, like, give you these classes. It's, like, four weeks long. And they told us, like, when you're driving on the highway, the sign should be, this, like, the sign telling you where the exit is is going to be on the side of the road where the exit is. Mm-hmm. So if the exit is to the right, the sign is going to be on the right side. If the sign is on the left, the exit is going to be on the left side. Always. Then I was, like, driving here, <laughs> and we're, like, trying to, I'm trying to figure out, like, what when the exit is coming and where to get off. And the signs keep jumping, like, on the side, the side of the road. I'm like, did they not? Whoever designed this was just like totally freestyling, yeah. <laughs> like just totally. They were like, underqualified for the job. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> like. <laughs> I kind of stand. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like whoever designed it, there was some strike going on, and they were like, "All right, okay, yeah, I got to stop doing that." Biggest contract of their life. And I they need were another Googling job. Where to put <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, so you're from New York. Yes. That's where we met. Yes. But specifically, you're from Queens. Yes. For me, Queens is like my last frontier. I've yeah, been in all the boroughs. Like, even Staten uh, like. Oh, well, I don't even count that. Okay. I mean, all the boroughs that a person would go right. to. Okay. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> <say>. <laughs> you know, all the boroughs where someone would have a reason to be other than, I don't even know, like what people do in Staten Island. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like to grow up in Queens? Uh, growing up in Queens was a blessing. But mm-hmm. while I was there, it really didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like I was, you know, just enough, like, removed from where things were actually happening mm-hmm. in Manhattan, which mm-hmm. you, know, you call the city. Like, the city. Technically, everything is the city, but, like, Manhattan is the city. The city, yeah. Um, and it just felt like Queens was, like, just there mm-hmm. like but not quite You're like Ariel. exactly <laughs> yeah i was like i want to be part of your world <laughs> um and so the obviously like public transit's built out um mm-hmm. much more deeply in in new york but still it yeah. takes did you used to be on the seven 
Yeah, I, I would take the seven would be one of my trains headed home, but my my home station is actually the the F line because mm. it gets off at Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, after you get off at the subway, you have to take a bus, and yeah. my like daily commute to school there would be. Mm-hmm an hour and a half at least and if mm. it snowed forget about it it would take me three hours to get home oh and that's God. crazy because driving from the city to upstate new york takes three hours yeah and so i'm traveling i don't know maybe 10 miles <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. at a fraction like mm-hmm. a mini mini fraction of the pace and so i always felt um like stunted a little mm-hmm. it's just like damn like i wish i kind of had the capacity to like hang out in the city and like go to mm. museums after school and like go shopping after school yeah. um and just like hang out as yeah. a teen would yeah. but so much of my time was like spent uh like sucked up in this commute mm-hmm. so i i felt like i just i couldn't have things that i wanted more mm. of and so when people ask me how was it growing up in the city it's like oh it probably wasn't too much different from going, uh, growing up in the suburbs where mm. you have to take a train into the city. Yeah. Um, you, you feel so close to it, but mm-hmm. um, really like most of my childhood was also spent in my bedroom, like yeah. exploring life through the internet. Mm. Um, and I think growing up and I, I've, I found newfound appreciation for just like my background and my, my story in general. Yeah. Um, and like Queens is the best food ever. Like I'm, yeah. I like, I'm very proud to rep the borough. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think if you'd asked me even like five years ago or, or actually no, 10 years ago, that's crazy. If you'd asked yeah. me 10 years ago, um, I would have had a very different answer. I think I would, yeah. you would have found me at a much angrier and mm-hmm. um, more dissatisfied place yeah. about being from there. That's real. That's real. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people go through that. I definitely, I definitely went through that. Mm-hmm. Where it's uh, for me, it was when I went back through the pandemic, and I was like, you know, like I see why someone would choose to live here. Like yeah. I un- like I understand. Like I catch a vibe. Like mm-hmm. I get it now. I mean, it's now the place I would want to settle down and raise a family. Really? Yeah, because the food is great. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, the Korean food you can get in in, in Flushing is. Mm-hmm nothing's touching it so yeah. not even k-town that's that's controversial in, yeah. in la especially but but genuinely nothing's touching it mm-hmm. um and you know you are proximate to the museums that i so badly wanted to go to <laughs> hang around in. yeah and it's overwhelming to be in the city i think mm-hmm. constantly i think i realized yeah. that when we both went to nyu and yeah we were we were in it and yeah. um i i'd find that like every few weeks i, I would have to kind of take a weekend at home to reset yeah. and i don't know just be away from the hubbub of it all i feel like that area i spent i spent some time um near columbia a mm-hmm. few months ago and i was like house sitting for someone and i was like wow this is such a different it's such a different vibe being uptown it was like way more quiet way more mm-hmm. relaxed versus like where we were downtown and then where all of the dorms and stuff were it was like we lived inside of a target like we it was just like always on really really um chaotic and like almost exhausting place to be Mm. for too long yeah wow wow so speaking of your story you're an only child i am can you tell me about that i'm i'm the youngest Mm -hmm. and i do find that like i meet people people can tell i'm the youngest they say i have a a bit of a complex about it (laughs) um i feel like when i meet only children sometimes i can tell sometimes i can't Mm -hmm. with you i felt like mm, i felt like i couldn't tell 
Okay. Or maybe I, maybe I found out before my diagnosis was complete. Right. But can you just talk to me about what it was like to be an only child? It's a little murky. Well, I'd be curious if you, I know you probably found out before you were able to really mm-hmm. settle on yeah. the answer, but if you had to guess mm-hmm. what, I don't know, which sibling do you think I would have had? Um, like, would I have had an older brother or like a younger sister or, you know? I feel like. Middle child. I don't think you would have been a middle child because you're pretty normal okay <laughs> <laughs> shout out to all the middle children um but shout i out to normal people i don't <laughs> man i love sally rooney don't get me started <laughs> man um i feel like young the youngest i feel like younger children youngest children in the family tend to have a very um carefree feeling mm-hmm. and part of that is created by the fact that like everyone's taking care of them all the time so they Mm. kind of you know in an ideal situation you know their older siblings are taking care of them their parents are taking care of them everyone's like doting on them because they're the baby Uh so they kind of have this feeling of like nothing can hurt me but also like it's like it's fine like yeah you know and i feel like you have that like i feel like you have a very uh like a gentle and carefree spirit kind of frolicking vibes but you're also like very like prudent and responsible and so that's more of like an older sister kind of kind of feeling so i would say like either either the youngest Mm -hmm. or the oldest got it well all Mm -hmm. my closest friends i'm not even kidding i did a survey of this Mm -hmm. all of my best friends are older sisters or sorry oldest sisters Uh um i think there's one exception and Mm -hmm. she's the youngest sister Mm -hmm. youngest child but Mm -hmm. she's also young enough where I read something. I or I read something about like birth order. It's a new personality type of quiz <laughs> where even if you're the youngest sister uh-huh. of, I don't know, like three people, mm-hmm. depending on how wide that age gap is between the youngest sister mm-hmm. and the oldest, or yeah. sorry, the one who's uh, like older next, than you. Yeah. Um, if that age gap is wide enough you basically mm-hmm. operate as an only child just yeah. because you didn't have the true sibling experience growing up where mm-hmm. you had to share things or yeah uh, much of your upbringing was affected by that but anyway sorry mm-hmm. i digress um but yeah all of my sister all of my friends are eldest sisters that's, that's i think i i enjoy the being older sister energy of. oh yeah, yeah. totally yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah i i am an only child i try to keep that hidden as much as possible because they mm-hmm. obviously carry a sort of some sort of negative connotation uh-huh. um i really liked being an only child yeah actually yeah mm-hmm. i remember my parents asking me like a lot actually when i was in elementary middle school like mm-hmm. oh do you wish you had a sibling like my mom had me pretty late um, mm-hmm. my parents are on the older side and mm-hmm. i think they had a lot of guilt about not being able to give me like a friend mm. and i was so lost in my head <laughs> <laughs> that I, I never felt the need to have anyone else i yeah. i think i enjoyed um you know, having all the resources devoted to me. But at the same time, during middle and high school, I I rebelled heavily against that helicopter parenting. Really? Was it helicopter parenting? Yeah, I I Mm -hmm. kind of, like, hesitate to call it that because my mom wasn't, like, mega controlling, but she was definitely strict. Yeah. And I think part of that was wrapped up into the, like, you are my only child. You are, like, what I came here for. Mm -hmm. And so she just, like, didn't want to see me fuck up, which I I totally get. Yeah, yeah, real. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. 
And so at the same time, like I, I enjoyed having all this like attention and love and care, but mm. I like rejected it at the same time. I was like, let me be like myself. Like I want to live life on my own terms. Yeah. But being an only child is almost like paradoxical in that way mm-hmm. because so much of their love and uh, like life is transferred onto you mm-hmm. um, that you aren't totally free to be who you are either right yeah um because like if you have two siblings then it's like you can spread like, out a little yeah, bit yeah you gotta like spread out the tension and that's yeah. why like i think people with siblings are tend to be more normal because mm-hmm. they're used to kind of having to grow um yeah on their own terms and so i i liked being an only child but i also mm-hmm. hated the um i guess scrutiny that came yeah. with it so i think that's, and that's that's i feel like with older at least this i have two older siblings and it was like with my older brother there was a lot of pressure Mm. all that like all that pressure and expectation of the only like he got all of it in in a lot of ways and then by the time that i was like you know of age to live my own life like my parents were like tired so they were like all right like (laughs) like (laughs) stay out of jail don't get anybody pregnant (laughs) like don't die like just go to school be normal like like if you can just you know yeah just you know not you know start any fires like that'll be that'll be fine by me exactly (laughs) exactly so i was like all right hit me up in csl like yeah um yeah i think one thing too that like um with with only children i always wonder like how do they uh relate to their parents as they age Mm because i know for me like i have two older siblings but it's i kind of have like assumed the role of like caretaker for my parent for my parents Mm -hmm. when they get older like Mm -hmm. i'm the one who knows like where the where the the wills are right you're the secretary yeah what the what the insurance (laughs) is like Uh who to call you know i'm the one that's like do you need me to call the contractor so we can get it you know and everything like that um and as my mom gets older, we have more and more conversations about like her old age, how she mm. wants to be taken care of, what's what's gonna happen. What has that been like for you? Um, I think it's it's similar, but I also think you have a um, much more free flowing, like healthy relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like my answer is less only child and more like this mm. is just what is personally going on with yeah. with my own uh, with my own parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like you, I'm also very much the secretary to my mom and dad. Like mm-hmm. I have all their passwords, you know, mm-hmm. like responding to their emails, making sure <laughs> no one's being mean to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like as I've gotten older, that role has never changed for me much. Like I mm. think from a very young age I was like that expectation was communicated to me. Like mm. there is no one else. So it's like on you yeah. to take care of us when you're older. Like have a good job. Um mm-hmm. so that you you can do these things. Yeah. Um obviously like we want you to be happy and I, my mom uh stresses that like they they don't, you know, need me to be like you know, stressing over their every move, which which yeah. I'm prone to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that, but I think because mm-hmm. I grew up with it instilled in me, yeah. Um, I'd say the only thing that's changed over time is my relationship to the pressure of it all. Mm. Where when I was in my adolescent years, um, yeah, it, it stressed me out a lot. I think mm-hmm. that's like what caused a lot of strife mm. um, initially. But now that I've gotten older it's almost kind of helped seeing Mm. my other close friends who maybe don't have that expectation set on them. Yeah. Um, 
like everyone's parents are getting old. Yeah. Everyone is kind of starting to like, I guess, come to terms with the fact that they will have to be the caretaker of their parents. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is actually like not unique to me. Mm. This is something everyone has to go through. Yeah. Um, and like I take a lot of comfort in like being part of the pack. I'm like, yeah. oh, yes, like, everyone's struggling with this. Like, that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. Like, yeah. I was just, I was being angsty mm-hmm. um, because I, I thought, like, the weight of the world was just on my shoulders. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is something that everyone deals with. And I, I feel like, especially as, as I as I get older, yeah, like as I get older and all my friends get older, you start to wonder like how, how do our adult relationships exist when like we don't really, we have to relate to each other differently, right? Cause mm-hmm. like, okay, we're not all living in the same city anymore. We're not all listening to the same music. We don't all like give a fuck about the same stupid shit that we gave a fuck about when yeah. nobody had a job and everything, whatever. But then actually it's like those types of, those types of struggles that you start to um, commiserate over that make your adult relationships like, deeper like oh totally. yeah like we're all yeah. like trying to get our parents a job like we're, <laughs> we're all trying, trying to like trying to like you know yeah, uh, exactly. remotely manage a renovation at our parents <laughs> house like we're all trying to do stuff like that and uh, everyone's a lawyer yeah every, everyone's a lawyer everyone's reading a contract everyone's like I, recently yeah. my mom's been dealing with like a squirrel issue at her house <laughs> be care you guys be careful with this okay if you see some squirrels running around your neighborhood you okay. you you should you should know this okay okay if you see some squirrels running around your neighborhood and you think it's benign, okay, maybe it is. Uh-huh. But if you start seeing them looking real fat and happy, like really like Alvin and the Chipmunks chilling vibes, you think there's no way that I would be able to recognize a squirrel. I can't recognize the same squirrel. Okay. But if you start to feel that tingle that you can, <laughs> no, you are recognizing the same squirrel. Squirrels can lie flat on their bellies and like polar bears across ice and squeeze into the eaves of your house. They can chew through your insulation, right? And then once they get inside, they get inside the attic, they get inside the garage, they get inside the crawl space, they pee everywhere. But the pee is like a bat signal to the other squirrels to be like, hey, this is the link up. (laughs) This is the spot. This is the pregame, right? Squirrel con. Exactly, right? And so then that's how they start getting so fat because they stop running around looking for a spot. They got a spot. They're chilling. So they go into your house. They're really quiet. They're laid back, just chewing up your insulation, peeing on everything. And before you know it, you're... Then you, you get a job. <laughs> My mom texted me the other day. And she was like, I came home and they were sitting on top of the roof. And I was like, this is your last day. <laughs> you're getting out of here. And before you know it, you're a couple grand in the hole. And it's 20 guys in, you know, on the roof of oh your house. God. And your mom's like sending you pictures. And you're telling her, like, put him on the phone. I need to talk to him. Oh um, There's so yeah. much work associated with like owning a home. Mm-hmm. Um, I Whenever I go to pennsylvania or not whenever i've been like once. <laughs> i was like what are you doing out there right exactly <laughs> this is like <laughs> jared's home <laughs> so whenever i go to his home once or whenever i go to nick's home like maybe five times mm-hmm. uh i'm always shocked at how much work goes into maintaining a yard like yard should be banned bro don't even get me started I, I just remember um I don't know, so much of their, their weekends are devoted mm-hmm. to, like, getting the machine to cut the grass, <laughs> getting the, the feed to scare off, what are those moles in the ground uh-huh. uh, that chew up, you know, whatever foundation mm-hmm. you have into your yes. home. Uh, it, it's it's so consuming. It's like having mm-hmm. another family to take care of. Yeah. I, I just, I can't relate. That's part of the reason why I, 
even though I'm leaving New York, that's one thing that I've, I've loved apartment living of uh-huh. just not having to like just do all the stuff because then at home, like I was like, I was also like the contractor. So like <laughs> anything, anything that my mom like didn't want to pay for and like could, could not, not should be DIY'd but could be DIY'd right. and was just a little too expensive to really justify mm-hmm. spending. Like it wasn't 5,000, but it also wasn't like cheap. Yeah. She would be like, all right, so I got this HGTV show. I need you to watch, <laughs> go on YouTube. And like, we was, I was like digging trenches, planting trees, fixing floors. It's like a whole, it's oh, a wow. whole job. That's a proper skill set though. No, I was in, during the pandemic, I was at Home Depot every day. That's nuts. I don't know how to do like, honestly, mm-hmm. anything with my hands like really? building an ikea drawer mm-hmm. uh, i'll burst into tears it's, it's, it's so bad for me oh, no. i mean again growing up in the city living mm-hmm. in an apartment i yeah. had normal chores it was like laundry yeah. doing the dishes cleaning the apartment but i've mm-hmm. never had to tend to the outdoors yeah um so I, I respect you it's it's a lot of work what has your experience as a homeowner been like as a homeowner mm-hmm. um <laughs> stressful stressful <laughs> Um, fine. <laughs> that just stresses me out too much to talk about. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you guys, careful what you wish for. <laughs> we can move on. Um, yeah. I would personally like to talk about the worst time in your life. Can you... Okay. Can you, can you, can you um, tell me um, about your time working in, in banking? Yeah, like you said, it was the worst time of my life it was probably the most insecure i've been about myself and my skill set and abilities since mm-hmm. high school i think really? a lot of that melted away when i entered college and i was finally getting used to the idea of having autonomy mm. um but yeah I, just, banking was horrible mainly because uh you were working with a group of people mm-hmm. uh who wanted to prove that mm. they were almost better for having made it through that same like shitty two-year analyst mm-hmm. period um, and hazing you mm. because they were stuck in that same cycle of, oh, I had a really shitty time. So you're yeah. going to have a really shitty time. But through that shitty time, you will yeah. grow and this will be good for you. Mm-hmm. And how did you was it was did you feel that was a correct assessment? Uh, yeah, no, I mean. That, it's kind of like a catch-22 mm-hmm. because I do – it did work on me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel very confident in my job now yeah. because I was hazed mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> for, like, a year and eight months. Mm-hmm. And uh, to some extent, I think the the pressure of it all did mm-hmm. force me to, like, learn a few things. Yeah. But – um. Overall, I mean, I I think as you do with any job or any Mm -hmm. like shitty positive life experience, you're going to gain a few special people out of it who kind of see you for who you are, despite Mm -hmm. all the noise and are interested in cultivating that that development. Uh Can you tell me what was like what was like the worst moment, like the day that you were like, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm getting on the seven to the F to the bus. <laughs> like, like it's over. It's over. And then also what was like the best moment where you were like, you know what? Like, I can do uh, it. And not just I can do it, but like, you know what? Like, this is kind of baller. Like, all right. Like, I see the lifestyle. Okay. <laughs> um, the 
the sickest moment of my life uh, <laughs> during that period. <laughs> Honestly, even when you when you say like, oh, like I'm going to walk up, like I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think the sickest part of that period is you get Stockholm syndrome a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I think during that entire period, I was like simultaneously hating my life, hating the people I worked with. Yeah. But also desperately wanting to prove that mm. I I was great and I would yeah. get the respect and you know I like got the respect of the people who mattered. Yeah. Um. Like I, like my and actually my bank my banking experience kind of the ne- most negative parts about it revolved around this one team specifically where mm-hmm. no one was intent on teaching me anything mm. and I also had someone on that team was actually like a mentor to me during the internship mm. and she snaked me out full time uh, because she just wasn't interested in, I think like teaching mm-hmm. someone when yeah. it was outside the confines of like, Oh, this is a shiny three month period. Obviously you yeah. worship me, you look up to me. And I think with us as equals, uh-huh. she like, I don't know, something in her brain was she like, was, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> more interested in having like a devotee of that, like internship exactly. relationship rather than like, yeah. this is my coworker who I have to help train up so that we can right. co we can co-work. Right. Like I can make your job easier. And I yeah. think she like actually really enjoyed seeing me suffer, mm. uh, which was the most negative part. And I think like, I want to say a few months before I started looking for my next job was yeah. my probably like darkest point where mm-hmm. I was working like 90, 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And that entire time I was still so fixated on getting her and this other male coworkers approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would treat me horribly. I mean, mm-hmm. like literally um, call me on the office line because they wouldn't leave a paper trail. They were much smarter than that. Mm-hmm. And just say like, okay, here's like 10 mistakes I caught, mm-hmm. um, find them, essentially, is what they would do, um, oh which is crazy. So yeah. then I'd drive myself crazy trying to find the 10, but then the 10 I'd find weren't the 10 they, they found. They'd mm. all be very like... It wasn't like, it wasn't like a, like a, I'm, th- it, like, I'm thinking like, oh, my job like is saying like, like a red line, but exactly. it wasn't like a red line. It was no. like uh it was like, like that, that. It's like the movie with Shia LaBeouf, was like Eagle Eye, where it's like the CIA is calling him. And it's like, turn left, <laughs> get in the car. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the lowest part was still being very upset and not being able to recognize that they were treating me poorly. Yeah. Um, I, like I remember, like God bless my friends who I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like crying about it mm-hmm. with them. Uh, or to them yeah and they were just like they are treating you so horribly yeah and the fact that you care about getting their approval is like Mm -hmm. insane like that's not the type of person you are yeah um because it it just isn't and i Mm -hmm. think in a lot of ways looking back to a period of time is was a wake-up call of like don't ever catch yourself slipping like that again (laughs) yeah uh you don't want anyone's approval who Mm -hmm. is not interested in in bettering you yeah to begin with mm-hmm. um so that was probably the sickest point of my mm-hmm. life is just like not being able to realize that yeah. i'd gone so far from who i was and whose yeah. approval mattered to me yeah. um but then uh, the a good part <laughs> oh my god I, I really don't know um i think like leaving <laughs> genuinely yeah. i think yeah having the like finally having that inner peace to be like uh-huh. i don't need this like yeah i have learned what i needed to learn mm-hmm. um 
I am no longer interested yeah. in seeing what else is in store for me here. Uh-huh. I think the best part was literally, I think, looking up and being like, oh, okay, in five years, I don't want to be anyone here. Yeah. And that was a very big realization for me to make. Mm-hmm. I think, like, even heading into the job, I knew this wasn't my dream or what I would do for the rest can you of ta- my can life. Can you walk me through why you decided to, yeah, why, why you decided to do it? To, like, go into To banking? go into banking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, purely, like, financial reasons, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, we came from business school where yeah. that is the only kind of job that's communicated to us as being good. Yeah. Uh, like and it's definitely kind of in, crazy. I've seen style. it. I've seen it change. Like, so you were, you guys were three years ahead of me. Yeah. And I think like definitely in the time of like from you guys graduating to us, to, to me and, and, mm-hmm. and Raylan graduating to people that I know now that mm-hmm. are graduating, like it's shifted a little bit, but like definitely that is still the overarching culture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all the seniors you look up to are in mm-hmm. banking or consulting and all of your teachers like come from banking or consulting. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I feel like that shift actually has taken place just from, like the jobs I hear about, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like you work at a tech company out of out of um, out of college. Like that's so yeah. sick. I, I can't think of many people who did that my year. Maybe mm-hmm. accepting two to three people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I went into it because a it was kind of the path shown to me, mm-hmm. and also had the most resources available from our school, and, yeah. and b. I want to be a good daughter to my parents. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, like, you can brag about me a little. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also financially, I, I just, I needed it. Um, yeah. I wanted a well-paying job. Um, and, you know, coupled with the prestige, I was like, okay, yeah. it, it'll be a launching pad to whatever I want to do next. Yeah. So that's what comforted me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, leaving was... Yeah. Leaving like, was the best part. Oh, was so I remember that period. <laughs> I And that was really like, like... I remember before before you and Varun graduated. Mm-hmm. Varun is one of one of our friends. Varun was was on episode four, but like we're all we're all in a group chat. I remember <laughs> <laughs> a group chat name under NDA. <laughs> yeah. Group chat, yeah, it's, it's not disclosed. Um, but we, um, I remember talking to you guys, and I was like, oh, like. I was like a freshman. I was like, should I go into banking? And you guys were like, mm, no, nope. <laughs> you should, you should, you should never do that. And I was like, I don't know. Like, because you guys were like, well, everyone, you're like, everyone in banking is horrible. Like they're, they're horrible. They're vicious. And I was like, really? I was like, you guys seem so cool. <laughs> and then where both of you guys, both of you guys um, had been working, it was like a very like top tier, you know, top of the line elite banks. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's the vibe. But then when you guys actually started doing it and it was like literally in front of my eyes, I watched both of you sink (laughs) into like, like, you know, just imagine like the vibe that someone has in like their senior of college or high school. Like there's a carefree, chilling vibe, hanging out, living, laughing, loving to go into just like, as you just described, a Stockholm syndrome of (laughs) of physical and emotional abuse. And I was like, oh, my oh, my God. No, it, it, it can't be. Well, I'm I'm glad that's behind you now. Thank you. It feels good to talk about it in, yeah. a, in a healthy way. For actually, mm-hmm. I couldn't watch Industry, the HBO show, excellent mm. show by the way. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't watch it for at least two years until I'd left mm. because it reminded me so much of like, I don't know that time and yeah. Um, I, I know it's a fictionalized account. Like, yeah, some stuff is too close to home. But no, I I think 
the show premiered while we were working, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I literally can't watch a glamorized depiction of this <laughs> because it will make me want to end it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll like, set everyone on This fire. is not a TV show. This is a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But get shout it. out to industry. Great mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah. Doesn't get its flowers. No, not at all. All right. So all that's behind you now. Mm-hmm. Now you live in sunny Los Angeles. Yes. Do you like living in L.A.? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, L.A. is my <laughs> rebirth. It's such mm-hmm. a classic tale of moving to the West, right? You search yeah. a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's calling you there. No, you're it's so little, Joan Didion pilled. It's a little woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, the move from New York was very much an intentional break from everything I knew. My friends, mm-hmm. my family are there. I, I miss them so deeply like that's the worst part about living in LA so there's the homesickness and Mm -hmm. being far away from the community I have there is this your first time spending like extended periods of time away from the city yes um because you know I grew up there I went to college there my first job was in in New York and Mm -hmm. so in making this 180 you know follow my dreams whatever it was like Mm -hmm. okay it needs to be such a clean break from everything I know Um, so above all, LA feels like the right place to be. I'm like, oh, this okay. is part of my journey. Again, woo woo. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> um, but I, I think there's a lot of things to like about the city. The mm-hmm. food scene is incredible. I, I think it's overall mm-hmm. better than New York. That place we went to last night was bussing it out was of control. Great, like the shrimp. I'm gonna be thinking about that sauce for a long yeah, time. Yeah, the shrimp, the salad, the chicken, the the little <laughs> pie at the end. Like the pie was nice. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to all the Filipinos. I love y'all. Did you wait? Did you uh, you know they were playing? Colby Calais, obviously, last night at the mm-hmm. restaurant, but she apparently released a new single this morning. What? Yeah. Oh my, this is the best news ever. This is, I love, I love Colby Calais. <laughs> I love Bubbly. I love Realize. I love Lucky. Oh my God, I'm so excited. But I was thinking about it, and the reason that Filipino restaurant had the best playlist ever is yeah. because that is the music that, that, that they as a collective mm-hmm. love. It's like, ballads mm. it's singers it's like the yeah, late instruments aughts. and i mean yeah. that's why they dominate american the idol x yeah. factor every year i saw this super funny tweet where this girl was like me and my coworkers, or me and my coworkers, are gonna go do karaoke and then she like responds <laughs> to me is like my filipino coworker said he's gonna come never mind i'm, <laughs> I'm winning I'm, having, I'm not about to get embarrassed right now i literally don't it's something genetic it has or to be. I, I, I don't know. Uh, this is meant to be a compliment. We love, we love the people of the Philippines. Their amazing food and their beautiful, beautiful voices. voices. Have you seen that? Oh, and that like classic video of like the little boy in the shower and he's like singing "Listen" from Dream Girls. It's like the most. It's like he's like an angel, like belting oh, in the shower, and his sister is at the end. Is like, mm, I don't know. It was a little flat. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I could. Maybe I could fix it up. Oh my god. It's mm-hmm. crazy that is Olivia Rodrigo the only Filipino representation they have um, in like mass Hollywood. Is Conan O'Brien? Not Conan O'Brien. <laughs> Not Conan, Conan O'Brien. Conan Gray. Conan Gray. Oh, is he really? He's, I know he's half Asian. I don't know if he's half Filipino. Okay. Um, but is Olivia maybe. the Olivia biggest Rodrigo, yeah. pop star? In America, yeah. And Saweetie? Saweetie's half Filipino? Isn't she? Oh, I didn't know that. I know she's Blasian, but I didn't. I didn't know oh, um, where in Malaysia. But um, I yeah, was. I could believe that. Okay, maybe um, I'm wrong, but 
you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think also there was this girl um, who was Filipino. Uh, she's not super popular in America anymore. But she had a period, like, maybe in, like, the early 2010s. And she was, like, a, a guest star on Glee. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. There's this scene where basically... So she's like the new kid at the school, uh-huh. and she, I think she was—I think she's Filipino, and then she was on American Idol, but like she didn't win. Then she was on Glee, and there's a scene where she comes to the school and she auditions for the Glee Club, and obviously she puts Rachel in a in a body bag. She absolutely <laughs> dog walks her in the audition, so Rachel gets like really really mad, and then they have like a sing off to like telephone. Like tele like calling his home and there's no one over. You're not gonna reach my telephone. I remember watching the episode. I just can't put a face to the. Yeah. Or I can't put a face or a name to this character. <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh, she was singing. Um, I'm sure she was. Do you feel bi-coastal? I still feel like an East Coast girly, if I'm really? being honest. Yeah, like when people meet me for the first time, mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm from New York, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, don't get it twisted. Yeah. Uh, I come from somewhere cooler. Um, yeah, yeah. But I... I I don't know. Like, I do really like being here. I mm-hmm. feel like this year is the first... I've, I've lived here for close to two years now yeah or coming up on two years mm-hmm. um and this year i feel attuned to the subtle seasons that la mm. offers yeah because last year i was like oh uh, like now it's still spring okay yeah. it's spring okay it's summer it's summer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this year i felt the spring bloom uh, mm. in my in my la hikes yeah um, <laughs> i I feel like when I go to a taco truck, I, mm-hmm. I have my order now. Yeah. What's your order? And I go, t- uh, there is <laughs> this one taco truck near our apartment, mm-hmm. and they do, I'm a pineapple on pizza fan. This is I'm safe a space. Devotee. I didn't even know that was a bad thing until, or not bad, or like, ta- I didn't know that was taboo until I was in college. I was like, we would always get the Hawaiian pizza. Like, that's uh-huh. the that's the vibe. It's a perfect mix of sweet, salty, you it's know. Salt, acid, with... fat, heat. Like, it's, a, it's, it's got all There's four food groups. It. Literally, umami. Like. Um, but I, I love pineapple on pizza, mm-hmm. but their, Leo's Tacos does mm-hmm. this al pastor pineapple quesadilla Ooh, oh my god i know incredible. that's bomb i i actually need to get it before i leave mm-hmm. uh, this saturday yeah but i feel like i have my routines and rhythms down yeah. so deep down yeah i feel like like la is a little bit of home do you feel that um do you feel that living in la now is bringing out new parts of you or is oh, is make, you know sort of like bringing other other parts of you to the surface i found that when i moved to new york I've always I've I I felt like I've always been um, soft spoken. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like in what world? Like right now, I'm whispering. Like but it was just like I feel like as a like, characteristic is mo- more like you, you don't speak up for yourself or you don't speak. Yeah, no, opinions. but that's what I felt like. I I felt like it was hard for me to um, like I would never just be like. Like, so, for example, like, in New York, there was this one time where there was this um, homeless guy who was, like, accosting these two women outside okay. of a outside of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they were just, like, sitting there, chilling, like, literally doing nothing. And he just started screaming at them, yo, you need to, <laughs> like, really, like, really, really going hard at them. And he was, like, and he was enormous like he was like he was like six foot three and like if i was in texas it, it, the the nicholas that was living in texas maybe that's just part of also like being a child being an adolescent mm-hmm. and whatever but the nicholas that was in texas i don't 
I, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. Like maybe I don't know if I would have sat there and done nothing or maybe I would have called for help or like maybe I would have even asked for confirmation with the person that I was with before I took action. Mm. But like in that moment, I was just like, no, nah, we're not going for that. Got up and was like, you need to and you need to get up out of here and you need to take your dog, too. And I don't give up. And he was like, I'll fight you. Like, I will kill you. And I was like, do it then. Like, what's, like, what's up? What's up? What's up? Like, um, And I don't think I. I Which I, restaurant was this in front of? It was outside of in Greenwich Village. There is a green cafe on McDougal Street. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's called Cafe something something okay. it's green cafe something something i'll never go there again boycott because why did i have to do that when there's a whole wait staff like somebody should have been out there right. but like yeah like the nicholas i was in texas would have never done something like that but mm -hmm. i felt like I, that was i at, in that moment i realized like th that was like the new york energy coming out of just being like of course nah we not with it that's so crazy well it's a good question but it's crazy and kind of proof of your question because i've known you as I've never known you as anything uh, like, wait, no, what am I saying? I've never known you as anyone who's not um, like quiet. Like you're mm -hmm. not a quiet person to me at all. You're very mm -hmm. much someone who lives life on their own terms. And mm -hmm. that's what I've always greatly admired and respected uh, about you. Mm -hmm. So, you. yeah, I mean, to your question, I definitely feel that, again, with this like rebirth thing of mm -hmm. moving to the West, yeah. I, I do feel more permission to kind of like cultivate a persona for myself that mm. is independent of what my friends and family know me back home for. Yeah. Uh, not to say that I've like done a total switch up, you know, yeah, they yeah. won't recognize me anymore, mm -hmm. but maybe parts of my personality that were more reserved for me to mm. know and just think about yeah are now I, I feel like i have more freedom to just like be those things out here mm. yeah. you know a classic example would be i mean or, or just like the most direct applicable example would be back in new york even in college i don't think any of my friends knew i was interested in in film yeah. it was just very much something i harbored as mm -hmm. a, a a thing for myself to kind of like think about as oh this is my pipe dream this is what i'll do yeah. when i finally i think mm -hmm. fulfill the expectations of me or like or fulfill the expectations surrounded around me yeah uh there mm -hmm. but now that i've moved to la it's like oh no like my life is yeah movies this I, is all i do every day yeah and that has been uh you know very f fulfilling for me in mm -hmm. terms of just again like being allowed to live exactly as I've pictured myself to be. Yeah. Um, and now when I make new friends, that's how they know me, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. That's very cool. There's a Dixie Chick song called Wide Open Spaces. Are you familiar? Mm -mm. You would really like it. I'll send it to you. I probably would. I, <laughs> wait, Dixie Chick's our country. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love country music. <laughs> the little, like... <laughs> hints that's, of it i get there is also a good you know i one of my favorite memories of you is one time we were in, we were oh at God. school i'm scared and <laughs> so at our school there was like a like a, a work room computer lab whatever you want to call it i walk into the computer lab and you were there watching the um casey musgraves rainbow like you were watching like a performance or a music video or something and i like walked <laughs> so in behind fun. you and i like tapped you and you had like one single tear like rolling down your cheek and you were like Yes, Nick. What's up? What's up? I'm, like, I'm so sorry. I feel bad for intruding. Are you real? I, 
Are you exaggerating? No, I'm being so I'm being so serious. So embarrassing. Like, what was I doing? No, it's it's good. I love I love country music too. I think it gets such a bad it gets such a bad rap for reasons that are are valid and not valid, but it's a very beautiful genre. It's a great Shelby Lynn song as well. Mm. And I think the title's Your Lies. Yeah. Like they just country singers are able to sing about betrayal. Yes. In a way no one else's Mm -hmm. for whatever reason i think it's like the corn fed uh like like, their voice like the twang makes like i really feel mm -hmm. the pain yeah that they go through is that like your favorite country song or what's your favorite your lies is is definitely up there Mm -hmm. uh casey isn't really fully country right she's more like she's country she yeah she's like country her older her older music was more like true life now true life country now she's more like even i would just say like adult contemporary Mm. country influence i I really hated star-crossed i have to say you did i really i when it first cherry blossom orientalist (laughs) (laughs) have you heard that song and the the thing is it's like one of my favorite songs i was gonna say like i love it but every time i hear it it's so racist you think so oh my god you're my cherry blossom baby and then the chorus is she said she has a line about japan uh-huh. and then she literally has like the ding ding ding, ding. <laughs> like, whoa i have to forgive her she is a country artist she we doesn't have to know s- any better uh-huh. but we got to separate the art from the artist on we that do one. we do a little but i just generally mm-hmm. didn't like star-crossed i um, um when I first heard it, I didn't love it because I felt that it had, um, it was, I felt that, um, golden hour was like right on the money. It was like oh tenant, tenant level time. Ju- tenant? No, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> lost me a little. It was, it was tenant level time travelers with multiple chances to get it right. Perfect. Okay. In the way that it blended pop and country in such a, in such a universal way and was able to connect with so many people. Mm-hmm. And I think her performing it on the Harry Styles tour, because he also sort of blends like pop and a sort of classic rock sound so well, like it, it was the perfect groundswell for that record to be so transcendental and, and like everything that it was um but starcross was uh, and 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 also to golden hour much more people it's a much more universal feeling of like being in like being in love like yeah. being off ecstasy and like you know sitting on a <laughs> sitting on a porch and thinking about your mom and like yeah. those things are way more universal than going through a divorce with rustin kelly totally and that's what starcross was about so it's like it's just already like it couldn't exactly but i started listening to it um like at the beginning of last year Mm -hmm. just like all the way through over and over and i was like i see that i see the vision okay the starcross the song that's a skip gracias Mm -hmm. a la vida that's a skip yeah but cherry blossom easy like the movies Mm -hmm. i have a playlist called dialogue where i put songs that are like about the same thing or have the same titles Uh and so i'll listen to like the movies with if it's not like the movies with Katy perry okay i kind of a mix up that's a good um that's a good piece in general i'd love to hear like the conclusions you draw from oh okay you know i love a little i love a little project (laughs) (laughs) like let me just curate a vibe a little bit yeah you know it's it's interesting because you have so many Sagittarius traits, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, little so? hobbies. Yeah, totally. You yeah. remind me of my friend uh, Lola. She's always, like, learning something new. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, like, I'm learning to make jewelry. Oh, mm-hmm. um, I'm fully in my, like, 
recipe development era. And it's mm. like, okay, like you're Real. good at all of those things, <laughs> but you are, you give me Sagittarius vibes, but I don't mm-hmm. think you have it in your big three. No, I have, I'm a Leo, Leo rising. Taurus, that Leo, I know. Taurus, yeah. I know tar- Taurus and Leo. Are you a Leo moon too? No, Taurus, Taurus sun, Leo rising, uh, Taurus moon. Taurus moon, gotcha. Yeah, I, I'll never beat the fire sign lover allegations. I find that a lot of my yeah. close friends are, are uh, fire signs or, or Sagittarius. Taste. What can I say? Speaking of vibes though, can you tell me about your style? My style? We talk about this a lot. We do talk about this a lot. We have it in our uh, shared uh, vision boards. Yeah. <laughs> I have literally the week before Coachella, which I also want to talk about, but uh-huh. I had multiple meetings that week of different people. Like, I got my fits together. We need to review. <laughs> we, need to, we need to plan. Yeah. Um, talk to me about how you get dressed in the morning. How I get dressed in the morning. Okay. I guess I should preface with the fact that I don't consider myself like a fashion girly pop. Mm-hmm. Um, I more just like being able to communicate things about myself, okay. uh, to people, mm-hmm. but I'm not the type of person who gets like dressed every day. Yeah. Um, like I have friends and, uh, you know, family members who are like, I'm going to be in the house all day. Like I'm going to put on my best fit. That's not who yeah, I am. Like, I'm going to put that shit on. I dress to be seen, mm-hmm. which is probably very Leo son of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of how you get dressed in the morning, I usually gravitate towards like a color, a pop of color. In mm. this case, pink was the guiding principle for today. She's wearing some really sick, uh, like dark pink uh, sneakers. Shout and out to eBay. Like what is that? Like an orange and orange and fuchsia leopard print sock. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. I mean, that makes my my style sound a lot kookier than it is. Well, the the rest of the outfit we can describe it too. It's like these like dark dark uh, blue jeans. Is that raw denim? Uh, I have no clue. I these were from consignment. See, I I, I just don't know the details. <laughs> I, I go off of fit and vibe. Yeah, and then a, a very cozy, uh, dark gray sweater. I love dark gray sweaters. Um, the sweater some... you wore yesterday was really nice. The light gray. Oh, thank you. I got it from Old Navy. Oh, look at that. Hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love to mix it up. I love to mix it I up. I love it. Um, and then also some nice silver jewelry. Um. Let's see. I, I'd say like my style, mm-hmm. the thesis yeah. um, I have around it mm-hmm. is, first of all, like wear things that complement mm-hmm. your body type. I feel yeah. like a lot of trends um, are separate from that. It's like, oh, this mm-hmm. type of like drop waist dress is, is trending. And yeah. I, I love a drop waist, but it just doesn't look good on me because my torso is like twice the size of my legs mm-hmm. or twice <laughs> the length of my legs. It, uh-huh. just wouldn't, it, would, it would just be deeply unflattering. Yeah. Um, but I like to dress as a character, generally. Mm. Um, as a character, meaning uh, like a type of person in a social class, like okay. a social strata. So I love okay. cosplaying as like boarding school girl. Ooh. I love cosplaying as golfer. Mm. Um, that's That's a classic one for me. I really yeah. like dressing up as like men who play sports. Really? Um, yeah, I actually. I'm just I'm discovering things about our group chat now. <laughs> like, I'm finding more. So every um every year I've made a uh, uh, Venn diagram 
uh, with me here and and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and every year I find new things to put in the put in the center I like to watch it shift and change and and that one <laughs> that what you just I didn't know that that's gonna yeah. be in 2024 I can't wait that's it's like watching the ball drop LARPing as LeBron is my favorite well no the sports I like cosplaying as mm-hmm. are tennis watchers mm-hmm. uh, soccer slash like UK football yeah um, Premier League Premier League that's my new my new work hobby uh-huh. um and um what else okay anything of of that like elitist kind of like mm-hmm. caliber but they always have like think ralph loren think, yeah yeah um, like a wasp classic americana kind of, northeast yeah. vibe and my like bullshit making shit up is mm-hmm. always like I'm like reclaiming the Chad uniform. Like when mm. I wear a polo Ralph Lauren yeah. collared sweater, mm-hmm. I am taking back. I'm, <laughs> you know, You're reclaiming it means my some, time. The uniform means yeah. something different on me because mm. I'll wear like a yellow Ralph Lauren collared sweater with khakis, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know that that is what white boys on the East Side wear. Yeah. But on me, it's like. I don't know. It's it subversive. means something different. Yeah. It is subversive. The subaltern. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't mm-hmm. know. I'd say like yeah. I, I. It's more like it's like in your in your regular life, you're just kind of like dressing for just vibes, chill, what feels comfortable, what feels uh-huh. right. But then when you're when you're you know stepping out, when it's time to put that shit on, it's more yeah. of, a, of a costuming situation. Totally, and I love uh-huh. Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Oh yes, it um, is. <laughs> and so. Yeah. The, the costume element is, is very important to me. Mm-hmm. But I think even in my costume, I like to communicate that um, I, like, lean a little more tomboyish, I guess. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm i a girl's girl. Like, don't get me really? wrong. Like, I, yes, mm-hmm. total girl's girl. Or I mean, that's a title given to you. It's not one you claim for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would hope that that is a title given to you. I don't me. know. You're kind of standing on that shit. I, can... I am. <laughs> I, I have enough confidence that enough women would stand behind me and like reiterate yeah. that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I like uh, the more masculine aesthetics yeah. on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would okay. say like communicating that I'm a little mm-hmm. tomboy. I'm not sporty, yeah. but mm-hmm. I can dress like one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I have like jerseys and you know, yeah. etc. A lot of J's. Um, one fun uh, fun fact about Jiho's uh, style is that there was this one time. So many iconic memories of you. So I'm walking in West Elm looking for a lamp and I get a text. I'm in a huge group chat with a bunch of numbers that I don't know and a few that I do. It's like maybe like 15 people. And I recognize a few, like I recognize Nick, I recognize Varun, I recognize Parbs, but then there's all these other numbers that I don't know. I have gathered you all here today (laughs) because I'm about to buy a pair of Jordans, but I need you all to vote. She puts in the pictures of the Jordans and we, us, this group of, you know, loosely connected strangers proceed to have like a debate about like, do we want the baby blue and the black ones? <laughs> or I forget what, even what the other options were. The the, the blue, More it was like, options. it was a sky blue retro one that ended up winning. And I was just like, wow, like this is a dedication to swag I've not known. The gag was I didn't even end up buying it. You didn't? No, not at oh. all. It was like <laughs> pure theatrics. <laughs> I loved it. I, I was don't know what possessed it. me. I was living, it was amazing. I I love I love people that are are I I feel I feel maybe you can confirm. I feel like I'm a pretty iconic texter. 
Mm-hmm. Some of the you lines. You are an iconic texter. Thank you. Some of the some of the lines I text people or the sequences of text I feel can just be pretty like I read them back and I feel like it's like a piece of art I've created. <laughs> and then you're like the modern Jetty Holzer. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. But in that moment, it was you who was iconic through text. Thank you. And you often are. Okay. Another iconic moment was Skull. <laughs> that was not designed to be iconic. And that's what made it even better. <laughs> Shout out to Skull. In place of the the, the skull, skull emoji, emoji where well, you like, I'm dead laughing. a total accident because I was trying to do the thing where you type in the noun mm-hmm. and Apple brings the emoji to you. Yes. But I didn't <laughs> They go and gather it from emoji. the garden. And they, go and, they go and pick the emoji from the garden and bring it to you so you can pick like a lobster at a restaurant. <laughs> I'll, I'll type like red. It's like, oh, do I want a heart? Do I want where? I recently yeah. discovered that. It, that feature makes me feel like a, a very old man. <laughs> bring me like the flower. <laughs> it's the emoji butler service. Yeah. The emoji butler. That day, mm-hmm. I, I didn't click the option that was, bring, that was brought to me on a silver mm-hmm. platter so i was like i can't believe you did that skull <laughs> <laughs> we were in the gc like skull skull <laughs> just screaming it at each other <laughs> oh do you do any other like um do you have any um i'm always interested in the way that people use their like their iphones mm-hmm. because everybody has their own little their own little quirks or specializations mm-hmm. some people use the emoji butler some people don't i recently started doing that <laughs> i'm like a huge I'm a huge notes app person, but in my notes app person, in my notes app person, in my notes app, I have like to-do lists. Mm -hmm. I'm a really big to-do lister and I'm knocking it down. Even on a day when it's like, I don't really have anything to do. Like the activities will be like, try new, no one, uh, take walk around corner, eat sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I need it to keep my like little sim mind on track yeah and yeah. then also like I write lyrics in there like when we were at the flume concert last night like I like he, they were playing the music and it was you know no words and I was like uh-huh. I'm gonna start singing back <laughs> so as I started rapping I was like this sounds kind of good so I like put that in my notes in my notes app um do you do anything any anything off color with your iPhone off color oh my god do I I guess the most off-color thing is is I delete everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It's like, I... You're so incognito. I cannot stand mm-hmm. clutter. Mm. Uh, like, I'm a very minimalist person by default. Is your camera roll very organized? No, my camera roll's a mess. Mm. But I, I'd be kind of... I think that's actually... That would be psychopathic to have, you know, sub 5,000 photos. They're all in the right folders. Mm. Um... No, my most organized folder in my camera roll is my, like, meme reaction photos folder. <laughs> I have that stockpiled mm-hmm. and yeah. consistently refreshed and mm-hmm. organized and ready to go. Um, but I I like to delete everything, like mm. old texts. And I know for some people that is so unholy and mm. sacrilegious. But yeah. to me, I, I just need to do it. Like, every two months, I get into a spell where I'm like, I have so many texts on my phone. Mm. And I just go and, and delete everything um wow. but it's it's all my heart it's in my head you know <laughs> I'll, I'll recall certain yeah. things but like you i'm also a notes apple uh disciple mm-hmm. notes app disciple um i also have to do lists there any actually it's, it's not by me it's not on my person mm-hmm. um yes we love that but do you have any apps that you use that are like uh, weird like weird ones that's like i'm the only one using this i know it I'm keeping this app alive by myself. <laughs> um, honestly, no. Sorry, I really wish I had a more interesting 
answer. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I love that your your phone is like out the box f- mode. My phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like you can. Nobody would ever be able to tell me this. There's no yeah, tax. No there's nothing, nothing but memes. To get from there. Like if anyone were to ever hack into my mm-hmm. iCloud, they just wouldn't get anything. Yeah. But. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. My weird app is I still sometimes use the Clips app. What is the Clips app? Clips was a video editing app that was like Apple proprietary. And it was meant to be like a mobile version of iMovie for when you just wanted to make a small little movie to post. Right. So like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. But they launched it kind of. It was it was post Vine, but it was pre TikTok. Mm-hmm. It was they did the YouTube thing where they forced it and put it on everybody's phone. Okay. They didn't do any type of like real promotion to like help you understand how to use it. And then also it wasn't social. So it wasn't like you make a clip on clips uh-huh. and post it to clips. You had to import your clips into the clip app, do all of your editing, export the clip to your camera roll, and then post it to Instagram, Facebook, etc. So it never really caught on, and now it's kind of defunct. Oh, that's a cool one though. But I still, I still download it sometimes so I can use it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty boring. Like I use my standard apps like Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok, and mm-hmm. Letterboxd. But you use Letterboxd on mobile? I do. How do you use it? I'm on the web app, bro. I'm on Letterboxd. Do they support web? Dot com. It's it's so it's such a horrible. I, well, I have a, a really. I have a really, I've got a a thick ad block on my, on my laptops. Uh, uh Well, used to have a thick ad block on my laptop. RP. (laughs) Um, So I don't see any of the ads, but like if I ever log on, like from my work computer or something like that, it's like, oh my God, it's so horrible. The interface, the UI, everything, but that's what makes it quaint. (laughs) It's a, it's a great app. It's so well run mm-hmm. in service to movie lovers. Yes. Great like, app. Like you and I, which is a great segue. So you love movies. We do. We love movies. We love movies. Yeah. Uh, s- something about it. They make a, a story more perfect, if you will. They do. Um, and you're so right. I feel like whenever I, I first knew you, I didn't know that you were a huge uh, movie person or film head. I always felt that you had a, a very, like I said, like a very like a uh, frolicking nymph-like creative energy. <laughs> but I never, I didn't know you were so into film. But I feel like I've seen it, I've seen it emerge over the years have have gone by, and now mm-hmm. it, it feels fully realized. Um, can you tell me about what are some of your favorite movies? My favorite movies, um, I like. I feel like with like every movie person, mm-hmm. it's hard to kind of like choose maybe the exact five or the exact ten mm-hmm. it's like constantly revolving yeah but i would say like generally my favorite directors are all very like masculine really? again i think there's like a general interest in like mm-hmm. masculine aesthetics i think for me my mm-hmm. my hypothesis is i'm interested in directors like michael mann or mm-hmm. like I, I wouldn't categorize altman as, as a masculine director mm-hmm. but um who who else? Why am I suddenly blanking? Um, but anyway, generally, like mm-hmm. masculine directors interest me because yeah. to me, they operate on the on a hyper end of like the gender scale. Say more about that. That's really interesting. So for Michael Mann, I guess specifically, he has a movie called Collateral, starring Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. I'd say mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite movies of all mm. time. Great performances. Tom Cruise has never looked better. Yeah. Um, 
Jada Pinkett Smith is in it. Oh, also, wow. she has never looked better. Yeah. Also, I feel that she is a roles. really phenomenal actress, and it's it's slow. Even though she's been in stuff, I feel like it's kind yeah. of low key. But I think she's really she great. steals the show in Collateral. Uh-huh. Uh, incredible, such a great love interest. Um, mm. But anyway, you have in this movie two men who are who represent two very different ideologies and yeah. philosophies of life. Uh, Cruz is kind of like a nihilist like mm. nothing matters like mm-hmm. basically you construct the uh, rules of the world yeah you live in mm-hmm. and there is no right or wrong there is mm. only what is true to you yeah and then you have jamie fox who kind mm. of represents i would say like the more like normie responsible character where yeah. he adheres to like clearly delineated moral codes yeah um and as a result, is very afraid to do anything mm-hmm. because he's afraid of all the consequences and repercussions. Of course. The reason this is my favorite movie is mm-hmm. because... Did it feel like the two I wolves inside you? I feel like Jamie Foxx. And uh-huh. uh, Tom Cruise is not like the ideal I aspire to because he's, he's an assassin. <laughs> who, kill, who spends the length of the movie like killing people as Jamie Foxx drives them around in, in, in his taxi cab. Uh-huh. Um, but it... To me, maybe this is twisted, oh, whatever, but it to me it is, is a reminder of, you know, there is, is a way to reclaim mm. uh, what is yours and operating, again, totally according to the rules you set for yourself. Yeah. Uh, living life on your own terms. It's a very big theme for me. I'm, yeah. like, so hyper fixated on that all the time. I think that is so, that is so interesting. Um, I think that's so cool. And... But anyway, as a result, you have Tom Cruise who's in a suit. He's shooting people up in a club, kind of like the Ooh. ideal <laughs> of not like that. Sorry, he's he's specifically trying to shoot <laughs> one one of his targets. Okay. So he's he's making a, a big hubbub. I was like, this movie is mess. crazy. It is crazy. It's a great, great movie. I had it playing in, on the projector for my big going away party. Uh, uh, Wait, out of New York. That's what was playing. That was that was playing, and then I we... photoshopped thoughts and prayers and gothic font over Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. So that day of your party <laughs> in 2018 in Greenpoint, yeah, I was um, I had the uh, assistance of some plants in opening my mind, mm-hmm. and when I was there uh, with Raylan, actually, um, I did I did not. Oh my God! Shout out to you. <laughs> How beautiful is this? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Raylan's sitting on the other side of the studio, you guys. Um, but um, I remember, uh-huh. I thought there was a Migos video playing. <gasps> kind of racist. Well, no, because <laughs> that Migos song was the movie playing in silent, and there was songs playing, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Migos song, wow, wow, this is changing everything. Okay. So I thought I was watching a Migos video oh, because, <laughs> because the Migos song was right. playing and the, the, uh, the collateral was on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and it sent me into a time warp Oh. because the Migos are really popular, like my senior year of high school, you know, 2017, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2018. And it, it mentally and emotionally, it sent me back to imagine the most like boring, lackadaisical Tuesday afternoon of your senior year of high school. Okay. That was the only energy I could feel all night. Okay. Even as we like, we were at your party. We got on an Uber. We went to the club. We, yeah, next place, no sleep. Went to another club. 
we were, we were like, well, I, I see now we were totally on one. We were, we were runaway drunk that night. We were, yeah. Um, so that's crazy. That's not Amigos. Video. No, that no. Is, that was collateral. It's, it's a masterpiece. Wow. Um, but anyway, you have like pretty much what is the perfect ideal of, of masculinity. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what maybe every guy aspires to be, like a yeah. cold-hearted killer. Total freedom. Nothing is holding him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks great. He's rich. Um, yeah. In total control of himself. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like a little gay. Like if you're yeah. so man, mm-hmm. you're pushing the gender spectrum like so hard you're mm-hmm. you're right up, up against the wall yeah um it's a little queer yeah and i think to me that's what interests me the most about those types of films it's mm. like okay like what is so inherently masculine to you yeah um that you were kind of willing to abandon all of these other normal traits mm. in pursuit of something you you're frankly never going to be like these right. characters only ever exist in real life as like incels who think yeah. they're being that person, yeah. Um, and yeah, those are those are type of the, yeah. the type I of think... movies I automatically gravitate towards. Yeah. Um, and I think that is closely linked to also my style and mm. what I'm interested in. I think like Catherine yeah. Bigelow's is baller. I don't. She's not like one of my favorite directors, mm-hmm. but she is a female director who explicitly makes movies about um, white masculinity. Yeah. And it's sick. Yeah, shout out to the Hurt Locker. Uh, yeah, didn't like Hurt Locker. She has a really uh-huh. cool movie called Near Dark. Mm-hmm. It's a vampire movie. Oh, and I gotta check that it's out. It's scored by Tangerine Dream. Ooh. Um, so very synthy, very like yeah. 80s, and yeah. uh, you have a bunch of uh, a band of vamp- vampires mm-hmm. basically, um, romping around the West, mm-hmm. and you know killing victims and, and sucking their blood <laughs> yeah uh, as vampires do yeah but it, it's a cool like reversal of the western movie mm-hmm. archetype which is like you're alone you're solitary you're they're all indi- together you're individualistic but yeah. here it's like banded together by community and impressing mm-hmm. each other and yeah very queer i think love i think so and, and especially on that like the idea of like pure masculinity mm-hmm. in a in a movie and, and this is true of all emotions in movies, right? And in a movie, you're able to create a mood or a tone or idea or character and keep them within the same vibe for mm-hmm. two hours, three hours. Whereas, like, in everyday life, you know, even when things are attainable, those moments of, like, pure, like, you know, pure masculinity, which was, it's, like, uninhibited rage and freedom in a mm-hmm. way, they can only exist for, you know, moments. You can only be in that, if you're yeah. a, a normal person, you can, you can, you can yeah. only, you can only be there for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. before you like exhaust yourself and like have to be regular again Mm -hmm. yeah and that's like the movie the movie magic are there other are there other types of movies that really interest you i love a movie with a vibe like you Mm -hmm. said um i think you loving call me by your name is very closely linked to like me liking like i don't know a Wong Kar Wai. That's the classic example. Mm-hmm. He knows how to make a subway look like the most romantic thing in the world. Yeah. Um, he was also kind of like the first Asian director's work mm-hmm. works I saw. I mean, besides like the Park Chan Wooks and the, the Bong Jun Ho's that I grew up with, because like my parents watch those all the time. Yeah. Um, but Have I, you ever seen this Korean movie called My Wife is a Gangster? No. Me and my mom used to watch it. You would really like it. <laughs> okay. Basic, basic the, the premise is that there's this guy, he builds home security systems. Uh-huh. 
his wife is a gangster uh-huh. and so she keeps doing all these robberies and like defeating his security systems oh, and cute. so he's Wait, like, it's like a mr and mrs smith yeah yeah it's situation. it's really it's really cute yeah okay uh no I, I'll, d- I'll have to add it to my watch list <laughs> yes um but i think generally like mm-hmm. uh you know anyone who's really good at taking uh, creating an atmosphere yeah great writing is always gonna attract me it's the same reason i love pt and altman mm. uh recently though i yeah. have been going through like really searching for asian directors i think mm. that's what's been calling my name for whatever reason i think it's linked to the earlier bout of asian literature seeking out yeah um so i think i've been seeking it out and it's all all its forms like revisiting like hong kong cinema uh, korean cinema like Mm -hmm. chinese cinema but Mm -hmm. um the american director that i've uh kind of fallen in love with recently Mm -hmm. is greg araki really um have you watched any of his movies no never he, oh, I don't think so. You absolutely should. I think you would really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like a queer Asian American director. He mm-hmm. grew up in uh, California. It kind mm-hmm. of escapes me whether he grew up in the Valley or maybe like, I don't know, somewhere separate like the OC or something. Okay. Um, but he makes movies specifically focusing on like queer mm-hmm. teens and... Mm. Uh, he descends from like the ranks of like a Godar. So imagine mm-hmm. like Heather's, okay. but with like a French new wave sensibility. Oh, wow. And the hottest people you've ever seen in your this life. sounds awesome. Yeah. So like Evan Mock, mm-hmm. his predecessor um, is James Duvall. They are mm. twins. It's kind of crazy. Okay. Um, I was like, oh my God, Evan Mock is just trying to do what James Duvall does. I already did it. Yeah. Like I got the references. I got the pinterest uh vision mood board yeah um but he he's incredible Mm -hmm. um i find that he does not do that thing i hate the most about asian american movies which Mm -hmm. is like a over fixation on not being asian or not being white enough Mm -hmm. and that is always um something i've had concert or something i've always like harbored like ill feeling towards because i'm like that is such an elementary development of Mm -hmm. how you think about yourself in high school yeah and then if you are even like remotely healthy (laughs) um you get that you're just a little bit normal you go out of it you get past that very quickly and you're like oh this is what makes me me classic but also like being asian american is much more than i don't know looking for white approval yeah. I, I don't know that depiction pissed me off so much and and iraqi he made these movies in like the early like late 90s early aughts and yeah he just has none of that he makes movies for himself and just happens mm-hmm. to have protagonists who are cool and sexy yeah. and look like me is he, <laughs> is he doing the um is he doing the um on three briefly gorgeous movie no no i have no clue who's doing that one oh. i don't think they announced a director for that sounds like you should yeah, I guess so. That'll be know. a good good name on the short list for sure. I'll work over there. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> is so you you work in the industry. Yes. You're in, in the industry. I'm also in the industry. We are in the industry. Is there anything happening in the industry that's exciting you? Not necessarily films, but like that's happening? Yeah. Um I would say generally exciting is uh nothing it's nothing new. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm seeing in real time mm-hmm. 
as close to it as I've ever been, which is still not close enough for my liking, obviously. Uh But it's, um, I I feel like a lot of people get pissed off about the mainstream at large. They're like, oh, we have too Mm. much IP. Like we have too much uh, superhero movies. We have too many unoriginal stories. And in real time, like a classic principle of life is something is always going to emerge in response to the mainstream like that's why subcultures are a a thing and yeah they just die a little more quickly now because so many more people in in the machine are tapped into it precisely um but i think seeing that in real time i think that culture is very much upheld by Mm -hmm. the international film festivals which is really cool to see like i hate french Actually, maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> the French people are not my favorite people in the world because they have been racist to me. So I have a reason. I'm not that's, just being a blind bigot. No, that's that's it's very real. And it was actually so yeah. when you first went to, I think that was, was it when you went to Can the first time that you had had like such a horrible experience? Yeah, because I went during when, mm-hmm. uh, when I studied abroad with my friends, mm-hmm. and I think we were just all so like taken aback by like how wonderful and magical and how privileged we were to be there that Mm -hmm. none of the other things really registered to me in the moment yeah but i remember when you when you came back when you had had like a really bad experience a few years ago yeah and i was like i didn't even i didn't even like i'd never thought about it before Uh but then when i went the times that i've been back since it's Uh like you really like you really see it like the the anti-asian sentiment in western europe oh it's crazy wild last year was my first time really encountering it like Mm -hmm. in london especially there Mm -hmm. like i think the pandemic obviously kind of made those feelings a lot more publicly okay to hold yeah um yeah i've never experienced explicit racism like that in my life ever Mm -hmm. yeah nuts but anyway sorry french people are very good at upholding Uh film subcultures and making sure that's true uh, you know, these kinds of films still get made. And I think that's always going to be exciting about mm-hmm. the industry. Like, if as long as you are making the effort to seek things out, mm-hmm. they are always there. Yeah. And can you talk to me um, a little bit about film festivals? Yeah. What's it, what's it like to be at one? Because you're on, you're on the buy side or you're on the sell side? Buy, buy side. You're on the buy side. What's it like to be a film exec on the buy side? The uh, buy side is is nice because obviously these things are being brought to you for you to mm-hmm. decide. The emoji butler went and got the movie. Um, <laughs> the movie. The movie butler went and picked the movies for you. <laughs> Shout out to the emoji butler. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, so obviously these packages are being brought to you. Like basically, you have directors, you have stars. I'm not having these meetings. Obviously, I'm still like down the totem pole mm-hmm. um, where I'm not taking those meetings. I just I like am in the room beside it. And mm-hmm. I, I greet them on their way out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it is it is fully work. I mm-hmm. think, uh, obviously, again, the privilege of being there is so great. I never thought I'd be at Cannes, like, so early on in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, like, purely work. Uh, pa- basically, from, like, 9 to 5, you're just taking meetings you are seeing you're also talking with sales agents to see what is available Mm -hmm. in terms of territories if it makes sense for you to acquire a title Um, yeah seeing the track record of of the director seeing Mm -hmm. other films that are also taking place at uh market screening times yeah and you have like a a daily team meeting where you basically Mm -hmm. condense all of your thoughts um, and, and share all of them. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, what movie did you see? What did you think about it? Okay, like mm-hmm. you as a junior person liked it. Maybe we'll send an exec uh, 
to the screening the next day yeah. because you know they get final sign off if they don't like it it's not going to get bought yeah um so do you have any from your experiences going do you have any feel like you're like this is the one that got away no not i haven't been to you know enough mm-hmm. i've only worked on three now mm-hmm. and um i would say that oh uh, yeah, there is one that got away. Um, Past Lives. I love that mm. movie. A24 has domestic on it. Um, yeah. But we wanted to get international. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually don't really want to say that. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's a good one that got away. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, there there have been great movies that we haven't acquired, but they just mm-hmm. don't make sense with our mandate. Yeah. Uh, a lot of foreign language movies actually mm-hmm. fall into that bucket. Really? Where we want to buy them but they just don't make sense with the way we make money off the titles we acquire, which is like Mm -hmm. sending them to streamers to license them. And they don't accept a lot of foreign language titles. Speaking of streamers, Mm -hmm. there's there's a a big thing going on in LA right now. Yes. The WGA is on strike. Yes. We saw them yesterday. We were honking. We were like, yes, Yes, of course. Um, What do you think about the WGA strike? Actually, can you explain to to the audience what's going on? Sure. Yeah. It's honestly a little like, uh, like f- I don't know there's like a lot going on there that I don't know if I can fully speak to the the breadth mm-hmm. of the strike but you know they are asking for a new set of contract terms because their last major negotiation honestly happened like in 2012 was that mm-hmm. when the last one was well was the last one when the, the strike was because the last strike no that was earlier that was like 2009 2009 oh because that's when conan was doing his yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah like no writers late night show mm-hmm. um and with the advent of streamers uh who do not pay writers in the same way networks or studios used to which mm-hmm predominantly come in the form of residuals Mm -hmm. which is you know every time a movie is shown on television you get paid i don't know a percentage of it it's not too dissimilar from what happens with streaming yeah and with the advent of like netflix and and hulu they pay up front for the production cost of a movie or a Mm -hmm. tv series and because streamers don't have advertising on their platforms like that's the whole appeal like you don't have ads yeah um people aren't getting paid residuals for every subsequent watch of Mm -hmm. the product that was being written um networks were able to do that because television networks have advertising and so they get a percentage of that advertising revenue streamers don't have that um and so you get an increasingly Dwin or an increasing dwindling portion of the pie uh, yeah. to writers, and that's why a lot of them are working more than ever because the volume is much higher due to the streamers. But yeah. they're not getting paid any of that upside of when a movie or a series is a big hit, yeah. and they don't get that you know residual payout. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, my thoughts are: I hope they get everything mm-hmm. they're asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've only seen testimonials of people saying I've never been more senior in my career and I work more part-time jobs than ever. Yeah. Um, I can't get a job at Target. I've seen that one a lot. Or like I tried to apply for a job at Starbucks and I couldn't get hired. Yeah. And you know, with AI coming, I Mm -hmm. am a huge proponent and believer that no machine can ever take the place of human creativity. Yeah. Um, I think 
what was initially thrown in as kind of like a throwaway negotiation point like don't mm-hmm. use our scripts to train your ai yeah unless you like license that and mm-hmm. pay us the pay us like what you're paying the machine to yeah do mm-hmm. um and they flat out rejected it. And I saw that. And that like, we can have a we can have a, a yearly meeting about yeah. technology. Like, <laughs> so disrespectful. Yes. Um, if anything, I think they're getting out ahead of what is only going to become an increasing divide as AI yeah. is used to kind of supplement actual work. Yeah, it's getting it's getting a little weird. I was talking with um, the previous guest about how I'm really against virtual production. Uh-huh. This, I mean, this podcast is my uh, rejection of the mainstream uh, prevalence of Zoom podcasting. Yes. But I think <laughs> virtual production, um, I in, in my job now, I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, digital workflows, digital supply chains. Mm-hmm. And virtual production is so sad to me because mm-hmm. it's like you just have no natural light on screen. Like you just have nothing, nothing beautiful to look at at all. And yeah. that's why movies now are, are so dark. But then like I, I got really pissed off. So I read this article. Some Sony's opening some new virtual production studio in France. There's so many in Europe now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're opening it. Right. And then like the next the next article in my newsletter was about um, normal. Norway and how they're kind of low-key coming up on the film scene because they're giving away a lot of grants and a lot of incentives and a lot of people go and film sci-fi movies there and you know because they can be like oh this is this is Pluto this is Neptune this is whatever and I just like to me that makes me so depressed and sad Mm -hmm. that like for a bar like that infamous uh, scene from Black Widow where it was like they're just in a bar and they filmed it on this huge blue sound soundstage like you fake that mm-hmm. but then you go to real earth yeah. and pretend it's somewhere else yeah oh, it's just it, oh, it makes me depressed <laughs> yeah the the industries as a whole all creative industries are suffering under the weight of business people at the helm of, yeah. of studios that used to not be the mm-hmm. case used to be creative mm. people ran studios and now mm-hmm. it's like MBAs run studios. Yeah. And I have, you know, I have beef with MBAs in general. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was talking about that with another guest. I, f- I feel the same way about music where it's like, it used to be like music people ran music. Now tech people run music. And yeah. That's, uh, you know, when some lose some, yeah. Uh, we're getting around to the close now. I want to ask you, um, what music are you really interested in right now? Uh, music I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. Okay, after years of denying uh, what I knew to be true about myself, I've been mm-hmm. giving myself to pop. Really? Yeah, I, I'd i say my OG interests were always in hip-hop and rap. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, like, literally one of my first artists that I think I found on my own was, like, Odd Future on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And so that speaks to how warped my brain is, obviously. <laughs> um, but pop music is, is beautiful. I think there is... Yes something specific to be found obviously in the universal and yeah. i think people get shit on for having bubblegum pop or things that sound too mass marketed yeah but to me it is so beautiful that you know yeah. all these like pop stars can make a song and that that speak to i don't know a global audience yeah Un- underrated totally yes. totally underrated mm-hmm. in terms of how it's treated and discussed critically i i would well not to be biased this is our venn diagram overlap yeah so i i think that is so true and i feel like people really undercut the fact that like a pop song can like 
it can change someone's life. It can save someone's life. Like mm -hmm. it can really, it can really shift things. And I really fell in love with pop music whenever I was in high school. Actually, my first car didn't have a CD player, didn't have an aux cord, didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. So I could only listen to the radio. So I like only, I, 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 I think that like, it's a very specific genre and specific medium. Mm -hmm. And when you start to appreciate it for what it is and not what it isn't, like you sort of see the beauty in it. Yeah. Um, and that made me really like deep into pop music. And then I was also working at like, I was working retail obviously when I was in high school. And so like the yeah. songs that would come on, uh -huh. like they still, if I hear one of them, we used to be able to like recall the playlist, you know, knew what songs coming next. If I hear some of them, I noticed like some of them trigger my fight or flight, but then like some of them like make me happy and like nostalgic. Like yeah. one that triggers my um, fight or flight is cheerleader by Omi. Oh, I think that I found. Oh it's my a God! It's a <laughs> I'll st <laughs> I will start like trembling, but then one that like brings back nostalgia is like "Cool for the Summer" by Demi Lovato. They used to oh, play cool that at my job. Mm. Yeah, I used to be like, "Okay, are uh, we in here?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, when you woke up this morning, what was the first song that you were like, "Oh, turn my turn my shit on"? Um, well, I'm seeing Sky Ferreira in July, so mm. Sky Ferreira. I've yeah. been revisiting her masterpieces what's your there's only 10 so like what's your favorite Sky <laughs> Ferreira song <laughs> um okay well this is our most popular but in my bedroom just means a lot to me because mm -hmm. I spend my child or I spend my adolescent years in my bedroom and just thinking constantly about how there's so many worlds inside me and mm -hmm. how I can see no multitudes. one understood yeah. me but it was uh -huh. all in my room like my safe haven mm -hmm. um so that just brings me back very like nostalgic feelings of mm -hmm. wanting to be somewhere greater but also having everything that i needed mm -hmm. with me in my room oh, wow. um but i love i blame myself off of my nighttime <sighs> great song one of the greatest pop songs ever actually my nighttime that was like yeah so sky yeah. fair has been on my mind lately what about you um my favorite sky fair song is uh I love 24 hours. I think it's such a, a beautiful song. And like a time is something that I'm just as a concept, I'm very yeah interested in That's and obsessed like with. Yeah, I do like tenant. Like <laughs> time is something that I just think is such a beautiful concept. Like does a moment last forever? Does it keep recurring? Are uh -huh. we moving through it? Like, you know, all that stuff. And I just feel like that's such a, a beautiful and heartfelt song, especially when it she is. sings it live. Have you seen her live? No, I've just seen videos. Got it, got it. And that's like, I'm like... Oh. I'll FaceTime you in for this concert. When is it? July 8th. If you see me there, don't see anything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, you is, where do you want to be in five years? In five years, mm -hmm. I want to be comfortable saying that I make movies. Mm -hmm. I produce movies. Yeah. Um, I In five years, I hope to be surrounded by friends and family in new mm -hmm. york god back willing. in new york back in new york but i think that's just a bigger desire and that doesn't have to be necessarily benchmarked to five years mm -hmm. um i hope to be in a place where i'm comfortable with who i am because mm -hmm. um, i i am i probably am the most comfortable i've ever been but mm -hmm. it's such a new novel feeling to me yeah that i hope to unlock more sides to it yeah um yeah, I, I, I just, I think above all, I, I hope I'm comfortable with putting out what I've created. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there, there's not a lot about my life I would change 
other than that, yeah. I'm very happy on my relationship with my family and my friends, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel I feel blessed to have them. Very nice, very so. nice. Well, Gio, it's been great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the pod. Thanks to Raylan and Ashley uh, for being in the studio with us. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you did it. <laughs> Was I talking too much? No, it's a podcast. I know. <laughs> I know.